0: Let's open our Bibles this evening to the book of Joshua, please. And if you would find Joshua uh, chapter six, I trust that you've had a, a great day. I know uh, revival meetings like this are hard on the body, uh, but they are good for the soul. And uh, I appreciate even through uh, long work. Uh, days that you taking the time to uh, prioritize this evening together. And uh, so many of you have been faithful to come. Each uh, service, of course, we have... Uh, one more to go and I hope that you'll uh, make that extra effort to join us uh, tomorrow evening as we conclude our time together. And I, I, I do appreciate uh, your faithfulness. It's been a good day for me. I appreciate so much your hospitality and the kindness given to me for uh, uh, the room and your pastor's been so generous in, in uh, providing uh, meals throughout our time together. I Uh, Mentioned, I think, Sunday that our church is planting a church in uh, New York City. They're in the Bronx, in the Throgs Neck uh, neighborhood. We've been doing that for many years. And uh, so our church planter there was able to come down this morning and uh, we're spending a few hours together today. Ken Baker, uh, you pray for him. If you ever find yourself in New York City on a weekend and you can't get back to open Bible uh, by Sunday, I I think you ought to stop in and see him. They've got an incredible uh, work of God and In fact, uh, he'll be closing, Lord willing, in the next few days on the building that they've been meeting in for the last couple of years. It's a miracle of the Lord. Very few churches in New York City own their own facility. And uh, once these contracts are signed in the next couple of days, he'll... Uh, Be able to take ownership of the building that they're meeting in and uh, it's a great facility it holds about 150 in the worship center and uh, they're already maxing that out they're looking at going to multiple services on Sunday morning in addition to the Sunday afternoon service that they're having he told me last Sunday they had about 160 in service and including the children that were brought in by the families and so it's just a great Uh, phenomenal work. And I'm glad he was able to come down and and enjoy lunch with us today. The Baker family, if you think about it, you uh, pray for them. And I know uh, that uh, they would greatly appreciate that. Well, let's not waste any time this evening. Let's get in uh, to the word of God. Joshua uh, chapter number six. Uh, We're going to look at uh, pretty much the entire chapter, but for sake of time, right here at the beginning, I'd just like to read the first six verses. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. The Bible says, Now Jericho was straitly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city. Seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. The title of the message tonight is simply Lessons from Jericho. Lessons from Jericho. Now, we can't talk about Jericho in Joshua chapter 6 without drawing just a little bit of attention to that children's church song we sang growing up. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, do you know it? joshua fought the battle of jericho jericho sing it with me jericho joshua fought the battle of jericho and the hey this is great let's just sing another one anybody else got a request any i like the jackson five i know a couple of their songs (laughs) now here's the deal that song is both right and wrong it's true that the walls came tumbling down. But it's not really true that Joshua fought a battle because there was really no battle at all to fight. God gave the city of Jericho into the hands of Israel. And after following God's instructions, well, Joshua just simply walked in and took the city for himself. That's what we learn here in Joshua chapter 6. In fact, let skip all the way down to verse 20. It says, so when the people shouted, or excuse me, rather, so the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout, the wall fell down flat just as God told them it would so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him and they took the city. Really no battle, No fighting. No artillery being used here. This is God handing the city of Jericho over into the hands of Joshua. I think it's a good reminder for us to always remember that the Lord is the hero of the Bible. The Lord. He's the hero of every story. He's the hero of our lives. I mean, thank God for Joshua and his leadership But this victory was God's doing. And it's God who deserves the glory for it. Wasn't that Joshua fought the battle? No, God gave a victory to Joshua and the children of Israel. And it just so happened to be in the city of Jericho. Now, I don't want to simply tonight rehearse this familiar story with you. I want to to share with you some very practical lessons that we can learn for our everyday Christian lives from this victory that Israel experienced at Jericho. In fact, there's three things that if you like to take notes, I'd like for you to write down. Write down this first statement, if you would, please. Number one, God's strategies cannot be questioned, God's strategies in my life, in your life, cannot be questioned. This is really the theme of Joshua chapter 6. A story about strategy and victory. And here's the situation. Go go back, if you would, please, to verse number 1. The city of Jericho is on lockdown. All right, That's what is meant when the Bible says here that it was straightly shut up. It was on lockdown, nobody was coming in, nobody was going out. Now, why at this moment is the city of Jericho on lockdown? Well, it tells us there in verse number one, because of the children of Israel. You see, it wasn't long ago before this moment here in chapter six, when God performed a miracle for the children of Israel by allowing them to cross The Jordan River, he split the river, they crossed on dry ground over into the land of promise. It was a similar scene to that of Moses when he led the children of Israel to cross the Red Sea. And as a result of that, the hearts of the people who were dwelling in the land of promise... Had melted because of what they seen God do. In fact, hold your place there in chapter 6. Go back one chapter, chapter 5, and verse number 1. This is right after the crossing of the Jordan uh, River. The children of Israel being led by Joshua, coming over into the land, and all the people, all the pagan people that are residing in this land, they are watching this whole thing unfold. Look at what it happens in verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward. And all the kings of the Canaanites which were by the sea, when they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before to the children of Israel, until they were passed over, their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. Everybody's kind of freaking out a little bit as they watch this miracle after miracle unfold on behalf of these people. Now, the city of Jericho knows that it's inevitable that Israel is coming for them. They are the next city on the map, if you will. They didn't know how. They really didn't even know when. But what they're doing in chapter 6 by locking down the city is they are preparing for battle. What the city of Jericho didn't realize, however, was that this would be a siege like they had never seen before. Now, we can't get the wrong picture about Israel here. Because I don't believe for one moment that the city of Jericho was intimidated by Israel. In fact, when you look at Israel, you'll find out very quickly in studying their history, especially in this moment, that their army was under-equipped and inexperienced. Nothing about Israel in a military manner frightened Jericho at all, except one thing, and that is their God It wasn't the people Jericho was afraid of. It was the God of the people that they were afraid of. We get a little hint of that again back in verse 1 of chapter 5 when it says they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters. They heard that God had done this miraculous thing for the children of Israel. This is why they're so afraid. This is why the city of Jericho is on lockdown. Not because of the people. Of Israel, but because of the God of Israel. It's a good reminder. Think about it. Do you know that Satan is not intimidated by you? And he's not intimidated by me. If Satan has the audacity to go after Jesus Christ Himself in many different places in Scripture, Who are you and I to think that he is cautious with us? I'm not scared of you. And he's not scared of me. But let me tell you this about Satan. He is scared of our God. And that is why you and I and Israel, as we see here, we cannot go forward in our own strength. We cannot do this even in our own strategies. We can only do it in the strength and strategy of our God. Now, let's get back to the point. The point is God's strategies can never be questioned in our life, never be questioned. Think, think about what's happening here. Look at verse 2. This whole strategy of taking the city of Jericho, this was the Lord's strategy. It was the Lord's strategy. It was not the strategy of Joshua, nor was it the strategy of some military cabinet. This was completely of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 2 that the Lord said unto Joshua, I have given into thine hand not only Jericho, but the king and their entire military. I promise you what's happening and unfolding right here as they would go in to conquer the city. This is not some military act of of, of ingenious strategy. Joshua didn't sit down in the boardroom one day and say, buddy, I'm going to tell you what, I've got one for you. You ain't heard before. And this is really going to take them out one by one. No, no, no. This this is kind of weird what's being asked of Israel to do. But this was the Lord's strategy, not Joshua, not man's. It was the Lord's. Which leads me to the second thing. It's not only the Lord's strategy, it was a peculiar strategy, a peculiar strategy. We see that in verses three and five. You can pass the city, go around a city once. And you're going to do this for six days. All right, you see, see what he's doing. You know the story. The plan is this, God says, six days, march around the city once. On day seven, you're going to march around the city seven times. Now, I had the privilege to go to Israel this past fall. And our our church, for my uh, 10th anniversary, after planning the church and uh, being there as their pastor, they surprised me on anniversary Sunday and said, we're sending you to Israel. At first, I didn't know how to take that. We love you so much, Uh, we're putting you in the middle of the biggest terrorist activity the world has ever seen. I have a good thought. Maybe they didn't want me to be their pastor anymore. I'm going to go over there, I'm going to die. It's going to be the end of my, my legacy right there in Israel. But I understood the compassion behind it, I was greatly. Uh, loving the idea that the church did it for us. And Kathleen, my wife and I, we went to Israel. We got to visit a lot of places. We got to visit the ancient city of Jericho. It's under Palestinian control today. We had lunch in this little shop and then we went uh, about seven stories up into this building and we got to look down into what the city of Jericho was like easily, easily. It was a small city. Sometimes we look at the flannel graph from our old Sunday school days with the children or put these pictures up on the screens and we think these huge, massive cities. How can an army mark around the place seven times. Well, Jericho was really a small city. This was doable. They could do it. And so that was God's plan. March around the city one time for six days. On the seventh day, march around it seven times. But here's what you're going to do. At the end of the seventh time, when all the trumpets start blowing, everybody's going to shout. I mean, you really rear back and shout as loud as you can shout and you'll win the battle. So no guns, no no bows and arrows, no swords, no shields. You, You want us to go with trumpets. You want us to march around the city. You want us to shout like a bunch of crazy people. And we're going to win the battle. Yeah, that's what I want you to do. It was the Lord's strategy. It was a peculiar strategy But I wrote this down in my notes. It was a strategy guaranteed to work. Why? Because it was God's strategy. In fact, God promises Joshua in verses 6 and 7 that it is going to work. In fact, Joshua doesn't even question it. God gives the plan. He says, here's what you're going to do. And immediately, verse 6, Joshua, the son of Nun, he called the priests, said unto them, take up the ark, get the horns, let's go. We're going to do exactly what God wants us to do. Why? Because God had never once let Joshua down. And even though it seemed crazy and peculiar, Joshua knew in his heart, if this is what God wants me to do, it is guaranteed to work. The lesson's clear to me. We must never question the strategies of God's Word. What He may be asking us to do may seem peculiar to others. Perhaps even to us. But God's strategies are always guaranteed to work. That's the first lesson that we learn. Here's the second lesson that we learn. Write down number two. Not only are God's strategies never in need of questioning, but secondly, God's purposes are carried out in our daily routines of faith. God's purposes are carried out in our daily routines of faith. Consider the strategy again. Israel had been promised this great victory over Jericho. But the approach for Israel was nothing big, nothing inventive, nothing clever from a human standpoint. In fact, it was a routine exercise that lacked a lot of luster. But it was to be carried out every single day. So, day one, they get up. They gather their stuff. As we read here, they march around the city. They go back to camp and they go to bed. On day two, they get up. They gather their study uh, stuff. They march around the city once. They go back to camp. They go to bed. On day three, they get up. They gather their stuff. They march around the city. They go back to camp. They go to bed. Guess what they did on day four? You ready? They got up. They gathered their stuff. They marched around the city. They went back to camp. They went to bed. And this they did every day. Now let's just use our imaginations a little bit. Let's suppose that the news media existed during this time. And they demanded that the general give them a daily briefing of what was going on between the warfare of Israel and Jericho. Someone perhaps raises their hand as Joshua, the general, is standing over to the side. And they say, uh, uh, General, what, what are you doing out there? What's your, what's your big plan for victory against Jericho? Do you have a vision for how you're going to do this? Joshua might have responded like this. Well, you know, got a couple of days left. We're just going to get up every day and do what we know to do. Uh, Nothing special, guys. No big secret to uncover. We're just going to keep our routine of faith. We're going to follow God's strategy, leave the results up to Him. I'm sure that the news media might have thought to themselves, well, this is not exciting. This is not fun. This is not no good story to report. We need you to give us something cutting edge, something nobody else is doing. Tell us, Joshua, that secret of military warfare. I think far too often in the Christian life, we often focus way too much on the big idea or that never thought of before plan that may be the key to bring us success and victory when in reality the Christian life is just getting up every day of my life and by faith routinely doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. I'm often asked, Pastor, what's your vision for your family? What, what's your big goals for the church? What big plans have you come up with to see God do something big? What cutting edge ideas do you have to share with us? I'm afraid I'm quite a boring person. And so my answers are often very disappointing to those who come seeking those big ideas because in all honesty I I just want to get out of bed tomorrow and if I have enough strength to get out of bed tomorrow then then I hope I'll have enough strength to open up my bible and read it and if I can just get through my Bible reading without any distractions and without any disruptions, I'd, I'd like to be able to spend some time in prayer with God without thinking about all the other things that I need to think through. And, and I just want to be able to love people with kindness the way that Christ would love them. And I, I I just hope I'm a good husband to my wife tomorrow and a good father to my kids and a good pastor to my church. I I'm just going to do the same old routine every day, knowing what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm just going to leave the rest up to God. This they did, verse 14 says. Look at it. This they did for six days. The same old thing. The same old thing. The same old routine. The same old strategy but a purposeful one. One that was fueled by faith in God's Word. Can I encourage you tonight, Christian? Stop looking for more. As if God's routines are not enough for you. Stop looking for that next big idea for your life and family or that next big breakthrough as if the simplicity of what God has asked you to do is insufficient. I know you're tempted with it. And so am I. It's hard when people come to my office who I know are faithful and they do love God and they read their Bibles and they're training their kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord the best that they know how and they never miss a service and they're serving and they're singing. I believe it's not Phariseeism. I believe it's genuine and it's true and they'll come and they'll say, Pastor, I just just feel like I've been doing the same old thing in my Christian life. Isn't there something more for me? Sometimes there's not always something more. It's just the same routine. A just shall live by faith, one day at a time, one step at a time, doing what I know I'm supposed to do. And I believe at times we Christians need to just stop and be at rest in the daily routines of the Christian life. For it's in those routines of faith I believe God does His greatest work. Which is exactly what happened. Joshua never doubted, he never questioned, never once did he try to adjust the plan. They are simply doing what they are supposed to do and that simple routine of faith is exactly what God honored when He gave the city of Jericho over to them. You see, the victory came to Israel not because of their ingenuity, Not because of their military might. Not because of any human intellect on their part. They didn't outsmart Jericho. They weren't bigger than Jericho. They weren't stronger than Jericho. No, victory came because they routinely, every day, just did exactly what God told them to do. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith, The writer summarizes the whole story for us when he says this, by faith, Israel. Not by their strength. Not by their intellect. Not by their power. By their faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they walked around the city seven days. Routine faith and simple obedience. Routine faith And simple obedience is the key to victory in the Christian life. Where do you see yourself in five years, pastor? I have no idea. But I hope in five years I'll get up just like I did today. Spend time with God. Love people. Serve the gospel. And then watch the Lord bless the simple Routine of daily faith. Number three, would you write down the third one, please? What else did we learn from Jericho? We learned that God's strategies need not be questioned. We learned that God's purposes are carried out, not in the big things, but in the daily routines of faith. But number three, would you write this one down? Our victories must be met with the right focus. And then put off to the side there what that focus is. Our victories must be met with the right focus. And what is the focus? Here it is, you ready? The glory of God. The glory of God. That's where we come to the rest of the chapter. In fact, look at the end of verse number 16. It's very clear. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout, shout. Can you imagine what Jericho's thinking? (laughs) They're all looking out their windows, just waiting. They got their shields and their swords ready to attack. And instead of lifting a single military article, they just start screaming. And when they did, Joshua says, For the Lord hath given you the city. Shout. Because God has done this for you. Don't miss this. Don't let a victorious moment get to your head. And be reminded that our victories are the result of a sovereign and gracious God who bestowed that victory upon us, who gave us that city who brought that success, who bestowed that victory. Listen, the temptation is to focus on us and what we've accomplished when the entire thing is God's strategy and God's protection and God's victory. The glory of God. In fact, we see this reminder of God's glory in the fact that not every victory is always about us. Verse 17 through 19, all the spoils were to be given only to God for use in the treasury. This was a little bit unusual. Look at it there in verse 17. Then the city shall be accursed even it, all that are therein to the Lord only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all that are with her in the house because she hid the messengers. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Lest ye make yourselves accursed when you take of the accursed thing. Look at verse 19. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury. Typically in warfare, the victors get the spoil. <coughs> Israel could go in and take for themselves what was left behind. But God said no. You can't keep any of it. Now, we realize there was a little problem a few chapters later. Because not everybody followed God's instructions. But the point is well made. That if this was solely about Israel, God would have said, hey, this is no big deal. Just go right on in and do what you're supposed to always do and and take the spoils. But God said, no, 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 nobody touch the spoils. Nobody get it. Put it in the treasury. It's to be used for God and God alone. Not only that, but in verses 22 through 25, Rahab and her family were to be rescued just as God promised. Look at verse 25. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's house and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers with Joshua sent out as a spire. The victory is yet to be about Israel. The victory is about the spoils going into the treasury of God. The victory is about Rahab the harlot in her house being saved from the devastation. And then when you get to verses 26 and 27, you see that God's man was elevated. He was assured of God's hand upon his life and leadership. Verse 27 particularly says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. You see, this was a great victory for the nation as a whole, but it wasn't just about them. It was about God's glory. And God's glory will manifest itself in ways beyond ourselves. In ways beyond our own accomplishments. Yes, His glory must be our focus in the victories that God brings to our life. Because it's not always about me. It's about God's greater purpose. I was recently complimenting a member of our church who has experienced recently some great victories in their life. I'm talking about life transformation. A husband walking out. Herself being in and out of jail for months at a time. An addict to any drug that you could possibly think of. God has so powerfully transformed her life as she returned to Him. And this was no person who grew up in a bad environment. This was the daughter of a youth pastor. This was a girl who went to the college my wife graduated from, Christian college. The path was paved in front of her to have the best opportunities. But her life quickly began to spiral out of control. We watched God do a miracle and After church one Sunday morning, I spoke with her at the front of the auditorium and I began to compliment how faithful she had been. I called her name and I I said, I'm so proud of you. I was watching you as you were serving today in this particular ministry and I just was thinking about where you were and what path you went down and now how God has And His grace brought you back. I just want you to know I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job. I'm so thankful for what you are accomplishing in your life. Before I could even finish my time of complimenting, she interrupted me. She said, oh, no, 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 Pastor. That's not me. (laughs) All glory goes to God's grace and strength for doing this in my life. I realized in that moment once again that the focus is always the glory of God. And she had the right focus and still to this day has the right focus. No, 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 Pastor. This is not mean. I I could have never done this. This is God's grace and God's strength. To Him be the glory for what He's doing in my life. It's not always about us. It's always about His glory. And that's what Jericho teaches us. That we need not question God's strategies. That, That we just simply every day of our lives need to rest in the daily routines of faith and obedience. You may be tempted to look for more, but just get up tomorrow and do what you know you're supposed to do and watch God bring the victory in your life. But when he does, remember that God's victories always have a greater purpose. It's not always solely about me. It's about the greater work. The greater work of his sovereign plan in the lives of people that may, in my life, I've never even known. That's the lessons of Jericho. It's not a fancy sermon. In fact, there's, really no simplicity to the outline that I gave you. It's just it's just a gentle reminder of what we've been put on this life to do. Step by step. Day by day. By faith. Follow Him. And tonight, may we go and do likewise.